Welcome to the Mr. Mike Podcast, Wrong Answers Only. I'm your host, Mr. Mike, and today's episode, episode 36 of season two, we have special guest Diane Bame, and we get into how we pronounce her name once the episode starts. She's a former classroom teacher and award-winning international author. She writes children's books and young adult historical fiction. Diane's books are designed to inspire her readers to be kind, love themselves, and to embrace imagination. All her books can be found on Amazon, and they will be included in her guest profile. I hope you enjoy this episode. How do I pronounce your last name? Um, like B-A-M-E, Bame. Bame. Yeah, you'd never figure that one out, would you? I know, it took me a year <laughs> when I was dating my husband. <laughs> I, I was looking at him like, oh man, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this last name. I might as well ask right away. <laughs> And, and I've done that, I think, of all the interviews I've done in the last uh, two months, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've butchered some last names, but at least I get the first names right, so. Hey, there you go. You can only do the best you can. I was checking out all your links, and uh, I was going through all your, your books and everything, and what's really interesting is uh, there's a lot of writers and authors or former teachers and educators that have made that shift into writing or into the corporate field, so this is really cool. You're... You're a former classroom teacher, so I always like to go back and ask people, like, why why teaching? What what started off your career as teaching? Did it choose you? Did you choose teaching? You know, it was a kind of combination of both. I have always been, A, a storyteller, B, loved helping people, and three, loved for even my friends, even when I was really little, to figure out what it is that's going to make you happy and bring you joy. And I found by being an educator, helping young children believe in themselves was very important to me. And that's, you know, a theme that I carried in my classroom, no matter what grade I taught. And I carry into my books as well. What did you start teaching when you first started out? What was uh, what subjects or what grades did you do? So um, I'm predominantly an elementary school teacher. Um, when I was a young mom, I wanted to work just half time so I could be with the, my babies. And so I taught preschool because it was just half day. And then um, as um, time went on and computers entered the classroom, I was sort of that freaky teacher <laughs> who knew how to use a computer and um before there was, e- I'm really dating myself now. <laughs> Before there was even a degree in uh, technology, there was a handful of us educators who embraced it, and we were self-taught. And that took me into training teachers, teaching kids how to use the computers all the way through eighth grade, and being a curriculum director, which meant taking the software that was so new to educators. And letting them know which software enhanced their curriculum. And that was very exciting. I can imagine, especially especially if it's brand new for everybody and you get to come in and, and help everybody and, and teach everyone and really integrate the tech. I grew up experiencing my first tech at home when my father worked for um, like a, a electrical company of some sort. So he went, to, he went to work with like a business student and all that stuff. And that didn't last long because he's not that type of guy. But it, 
in the end, we ended up having all these computers and there were the old ones where you have to pull out all the motherboards and they didn't have one motherboard. They had like five motherboards and you always had to swap them out <laughs> to get them working. And then when I went to elementary school in kindergarten, we had the first Macintosh computers. So everything was on the uh, floppy drives and it was like the old school Carmen San Diego stuff. Yes. So from a very young age, I remember I, I grew up with it going like this and the teacher, a lot of most of the teachers, 99% of them didn't know how to work the lab except for that one teacher that taught everyone. So. Yeah, you know, I was that one teacher. <laughs> but you reminded me of a great piece of software, San Diego. That was amazing. I love that game. I remember there was that game. There was there was a couple others. Oregon Trail. Did you yes. do Oregon Trail? Yes, I, I played that. But Carmen San Diego, for whatever Carmen reason, st- stands out. It was, it was storytelling. You were reading. You're traveling across the globe. You were doing different things. Mm-hmm. I remember that like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. What else did we do? Oh, she made us. She brought us to uh, to type. We were learning how to type, and I had to type a story. Oh, yes. I had to type a story about a turtle. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that distinctly. I had to type a story about a turtle. I called it finger uh, exercising when I would teach uh, typing to make it fun. So I made up little songs to go with your fingers for the kinder. And my goal was by the time you were in third grade, you were totally able to uh, keyboard beautifully without even thinking about yeah. it. It's like playing the piano, right? And so the teachers would come by and, I thought she was teaching computers. Why is there singing going on? But the kids were really tiring. <laughs> but they're, they're, you're right, though. There is a rhythm to it. And once they get the feel for it, it's, it's motor memory. They'll remember after. And if they can relate it to, to music, definitely uh, important. But now, see, I was talking to a couple educators about this in the last couple of months. And they're so used to touch pad, uh, iPads and, and tablets and things like that. They don't know how to use the keyboard and the mouse very well. So I don't know. There's like, a, it's a weird switch going on, but they, they get out and they don't know how to use the keyboard. And it's like, but in high school, this is what you're going to be doing literally all the time. No, you're absolutely right. I have a daughter who's a professor at SCAD University in Georgia, and she teaches technology. Uh, I mean, I need to go take her classes because it's all about you know, virtual reality and things like that, and art classes and drawing in the sky and so forth. And um, her students come to her and they have, she goes, okay, just uh, press command P and, um, you know, print. And they're like, what, what, what is she talking about? <laughs> and so she's, she's like having to teach the basics of computers because the kids were so used to their iPad. Because the iPads can't handle the heavy, uh, software that you have to have on a computer if you're going to be a technology driven right and so they're like but i got the creative cloud and they're like she's like that's the basics sweetheart <laughs> uh, illustrator takes a lot more <laughs> well anything right like you need pro- different you need the multitude of programs mm. just to well to do this for example like i have word open i have a uh, edge i have acrobat open i have zoom open i have all kinds of stuff open but on the tablet it's really just an entertainment device. I, I can't stand. They buy tablets in education and they give them out like it's chocolate or candy. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah. And and they just like it's not it's not practical. It really doesn't help. And if they teach those skills at a young age, the kids are very like they adapt very well. Teach them at the first couple of years, and you know later on, like I I, I see in our school, the grade six, the grade fives, they're uh, they're typing on using like Chromebooks and doing projects and PowerPoint presentations. It's great. Just I, I can't stand the tablets. I told my wife, I said for our daughter, like no tablets in the house. No, <laughs> none of that stuff. I can't, <laughs> I can't stand it. You're very smart. But anyways, 
obviously very uh, technically savvy. So you got that inspiration, you're going through school, and then at some point you're like, I'm leaving teaching, I'm done, or a new opportunity opened up? It was a transition, actually. As um, my children, um, you know, aged, and I wanted to be able to be even more of a mom, you know, everyone says, oh, you know, once you're in junior high and high school, it's okay. But I was um, the kind of mother believed that your junior high and high school kids needed you uh, even more in some ways. And so I found by there was there was this pool for me to train teachers throughout the U.S. And so I found that I could um, train teachers and help even more students in in schools throughout different states Mm -hmm. and also be learning myself and have more time with the kids because I'd only have to work maybe three days a week and I would make as much as the classroom, if not more, um, it, it was hard to leave the classroom um, because I I fall in love with my students. They become part of the family for me, uh, but it was an important transition to do. And, and then as I was doing that, because I said earlier, I was always a storyteller, no matter what grade I taught, even eighth grade, when the kids came into my classroom, I wanted us to gel and be a unit especially if you're teaching technology, if not, um, my belief was like, for example, when I first started, you had computer books and I was very blessed that Apple computer, um, they flew me out to California to learn a lot. And then I came back and I was blown away because people hadn't heard about the internet yet. And they taught a handful of us, 12 of us, um, how that, what was coming. And I came back and I told the students, okay, we have two things, two ways we can approach how we're going to do school from now on. One, we can keep, look at these boring books and you can regurgitate what we say. Or two, we can learn together and this is what's coming. And they were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you know. (laughs) And so I'm like, but you cannot make fun of me because I don't know the answer because we're learning together. And of course, the phrase, uh, the teacher, the coach on the side came about. Um, but it was really great to be part of all that. It keeps you alive when you're learning new things and you're connected with the younger generation. And, and, uh, it was neat. But, but for the kids to come into my classroom, they, you know, they'd already gone through half a day. So they were like either mad at people or they were sad about something that happened. And so before they came into my classroom, I would have music playing and set them tone. And then we all had to sit down as if we were in preschool, but it was important to me. And I would, you know, whatever was going on, even with me, I'm like, oh gosh, I had a horrible day. We need to all work together and please be patient with me, you know? So they see me as a human. And then um, sometimes it'd be like, okay, I realize there's a lot going on in school right now, but you need to let it go because we're working with laser discs today. How cool is that, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're like, man, I can't wait to get to this famous class. So <laughs> I made it fun. Yeah, you were offering something different, and they were like, this this is going to be great. So that's that's awesome, though, your, your love or your newfound love for technology, and you're infusing it right away. Right, because I tried to tell people and even educators, when you're teaching preschool, even a crayon and a pencil is technology. Yeah. And what we can do with it. Wiggling our toes in the grass. 
for preschoolers is technology. What is those senses that you're feeling? And that's more important to me at that age and teaching them verbal skills and so forth so that they can keep growing before they even keyboard. And so by the time you're in seventh, eighth grade, fifth grade, whatever, it, it's important that when you're working together and as a team, you have to let go and you might work with someone that you don't think that you like, but you might discover that, man, they're pretty cool. I didn't realize that about you. And so developing friendship was very important to me. There was no bullying allowed. I think that's the um, that's the most important thing, though. E- Education is about relationships. And, yes. and then my university professors will always say it's about relationships, relationships, relationships with the kids, with the staff, with the administration, with everybody, because without that, education is just uh what is it? Well, it is nothing. Four walls, it's nothing, right? So Yeah, I love that. Can I ask you a, a unrelated question? Sure. Do you have a dog? Okay. I, can you hear my dog? Is, is he snoring? I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm either, it's somebody snoring through the walls or it's a dog, but I'm going to go with dog. Oh, it is. Uh, yes, we have. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have let her in the room. I didn't no, think okay. you could hear through my phones. Um, yes, she is a gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, you don't say mutt anyway. She's a combination, but she we she's a rescue. Okay. And we we adore her, and um, somebody threw her out in the country. I don't oh. know how people can live with themselves. And uh, it's a long story. I won't bore you how we came about. I grew up with dogs. I have five brothers. Sometimes we had, each one of us had our own dog. Yeah. <laughs> and so dogs are everything. But I tell you, there's like this extra special love that she and I share. I don't know if it's because my kids are all grown up and I have more time to play with her or what, but it's like she follows me everywhere. It's so adorable. I, I grew up with animals. I grew up with everything. We had dogs, cats birds goldfish an iguana I've, oh I've, my gosh. I've, had, I've had everything um you know living with my wife and we have our daughter now we don't have a pet but i said once i finish the renovations and we get settled down eventually maybe i'll, I'll get a bird or my wife's allergic to cats so cats are out of the story mm-hmm. a dog would be nice but the time would have to be there to to spend with the dog but growing up i had a boxer my parents got a boxer we had a, a beige pug for 15 years and then uh now my parents have a he's i think he's six and a half he's a black pug uh, his name's rambo and um <laughs> he, he he's 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 so funny but now he's experiencing having a little one running around because my daughter is like a, a year old and she's just uh-huh. starting to learn how to walk so he's like all excited that she's trying to walk around <laughs> and stuff but gonna have a friend to chase <laughs> and when she starts walking on her own properly because right now she's she stands up and she makes the steps, yeah. but she's scared because she's fallen on her butt a couple of times. But when she starts walking around, he, he's dead meat. Like she's going to be running after him and like uh, trying to ride him or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. But uh, yeah, I, I heard I'm like, for sure, it's a, for sure it's a dog snoring, but it's fine. It's, it, it adds, it's like background sound. It's like meditation. It's kind of soothing, right? Yeah. And they could fall right asleep beside them. <laughs> Make sure, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You said um, you had five brothers and you're originally from Oklahoma and you grew up in Texas. Right. So as the story goes, uh, there's this saying in Texas. You got If you weren't born here, you got here as fast as you could. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Texans have such pride. But we, um, yes, I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
the mom and daddy uh, moved, daddy's job changed down to Texas in the Houston area. And um, so I came when I was about 14 months. Your your accent is a little, is a mix. Yes, because I've done a lot of stage work, especially living in Dubai for 15 years and I was on stage there. And so when you're working with the British, you have to try to get that pure. Of course, I never achieved that beautiful, pure <laughs> British um, proper English. Yes. But um, but I can go to my Texas accent anytime you'd like to hear it because, uh, you know, it just comes out naturally. But, you know, it's a real turnoff to some people. <laughs> <laughs> but it, bl- it blends very well because when you're speaking, you-, you can hear it. I can hear the Texan. I can hear it a little bit of the English. I can. It's uh, <laughs> I, it's you. very distinct. I, I'm from, I'm born and raised in Montreal in, in okay. Quebec. And I, everyone that meets me randomly on the street or from the store, because a couple, yeah, I'll go look for a baseball, a uh, hockey cap or a baseball cap. And I've gone in a couple of times and I like, I love, like, I love our local team, the Montreal Canadiens, but I love the San Jose Sharks. I've followed the San Jose Sharks for forever. Not from San Jose, but I just, you know, you pick a player <laughs> and you follow them, right? Right, so exactly. Go in and get a, go get in a hat and, guy says to me, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Montreal. He's like, no, you're not. He's like, you, you sound like you're from New York. I'm like, I get that all the time. Um, Everyone thinks I'm from somewhere else. I, I don't. I don't even hear an accent. In fact, when I hear myself, when I play back audio like this to myself, I sound like a completely different person. I don't even hear my my voice sounds high pitched, and I, from what I understand, my voice is not high pitched. But you have a, a good. It's it's your speaking voice. It's very nice. It's very. It's a communicative voice. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm working on it. <laughs> okay, so uh, from uh, born and raised in Oklahoma, went to Texas. Five brothers, dog snoring, fantastic. <laughs> uh, Part time <laughs> teacher left work to help out some educators, mm-hmm. and then where did the writing come in? When was your first picture book that you decided to write your manuscript? A long, a long, long time ago. So especially you know for your listeners and viewers. Um, it's um, a long, long process. <laughs> and I was warned about that, but it was okay because I knew that my stories would resonate and whoever was meant to read them will, will read and find them. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I knew I needed to get my stories out there. So I would say it would be almost 17 years ago that I started uh, writing. Now, some of my first things are not published at all. And that's uh, the beauty is you have to just keep writing and then the skill grows with, but yeah. And I was, so I'm a singer (laughs) and uh, my daughters um, were, I could tell their voices were getting better and better, but they kept comparing themselves with me. And I wanted a relationship with my daughters and I didn't want them to have a comparison Mm -hmm. that I have that great of a voice. I actually knew their voices were going to be like so superior than mine. But when you're young and you're just learning, you sometimes put your parents on a pedestal because they would see me acting or singing or whatever. And I didn't want that. So I quit singing and performing and started doing a lot of gardening work. And so when I was out in the garden one day working, because I love to watch flowers grow, I don't. I don't know anything about it, so I'm self-taught. So, like, you know, it's like, oh, I think that's really pretty. And then I was like, oh, the flower could talk would be like, please don't put me in the sun. I don't like the sun. But anyway, I've learned through the years. I don't know. I got this message, you know, that I needed to put my stories to print and be a storyteller through uh, writing. So that creativeness of storytelling through 
stage and singing was one way, and now it's frequent. That was a long way to say it. I hope you liked it. <laughs> I did. I like it. The inspiration hits you whenever, you, when you least expect it, right? Yes, yes. You have to be open to it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to open the mind and let the beauty of inspiration guide you. Don't you think? I think so. I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working on that. It's I have, hard sometimes. It right? is. Well, I, I, I go in waves with like writing and reading and it depends what's going on. Cause I, I wear a lot of different hats and I'm like, you know, go do renovations, go, go teach children with special needs, uh, go help out everybody. I just, I, I find my plates a bit, my plate has been super full the last couple of years and then a lot of health issues and whatever. So I've been doing a lot of juggling, but I, I've, I've written poetry for many years. Not to say that I'm a professional, but I, I self-published a poetry book. Um, I've dabbled at publishers, and I've uh, and I've sent many emails and letters, and I got a lot of rejections and a lot of no's about future stuff. And I'm like, that's good. At least I'm trying because everybody tells you if you don't try, and like you said, it takes a long time to really establish yourself and learn. And, and I'm still doing that. And then I have myself. I have some picture books and children's picture books, a couple of stories that I've written and. I think I, I recently sent one out. So by the time this gets out, I'll probably get a good no back. But, you know, at least I'm trying. And my wife's always like, just do it. I'm like, okay. But I wish I had more time to sit and just write or explore the creative projects. Um, I guess the podcast is like a creative project. And, and I'm spending a lot of time doing that now. But the writing part is something I would love to do. But, you know, life gives you whatever you can handle at the moment. But what I'm about to say is you're... Um, First, you said you had a bunch of books that never came to be, but the first one that I see on your Amazon page, The Little Girl in the Moon, and it came out in 2016. Was that your first published book or is there another one prior to that? No, that was my first published book, right? My first. I got a lot of no's like you, by the way. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out. I got so many no's and I am so grateful there are, it's the hybrid publishing has come about. That's opened the doors for a lot of us. Well, that I spoke to, I was speaking to um, a writer yesterday, slash author, slash publicist, not publicist, um, publisher, because he opened up his own publishing press, because he was going through a similar situation. He got a lot of no's, he published some short stories, and then eventually he's just like, I'm going to just open up my small publishing press and we'll see what happens. But you're right. There's um, it's different than let's say 20 years ago when there was no options. You literally had to write paper envelope. Here's the envelope. Get a, send a copy, and then how many times you're waiting for a no, and you get back in the mail, no, 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 or get no answer. But today is especially, especially, I want to say it's more accessible. Not easy because nothing's easy, but more accessible for people to share their stories. But the little girl in the moon. Tell us a little bit about that story. Sure. You know how that came about was I I am the little girl in the moon, I've discovered. Because when I was a little girl, I uh, mom and daddy had the tip, the typical 1950s-style sweet little rectangular-style home. Mm -hmm. And the moon would shine through my bedroom window. And when it became a full moon, because I loved changing everything in my room, I, it was like my little dollhouse. And I would take my little twin bed and I would push it over by the window and I'd take my sheer curtains and 
cross it over into bed as if I was a princess and I would <laughs> stare at the moon and be dreaming of traveling and la 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 la. And so when I thought, you know, fast forward and I thought about how children need to be kind to one another and how they need to, they, I don't mean to sound like a teacher, you need to be like this, but I mean, to, to feel joy and love and, and even if someone's different, embrace them and find out how cool they are. Um, and so how could I do that? And the teacher in me came out and I thought, you know, in second grade, cause I thought about what the, the children I would be reaching the audience. And I knew as a curriculum director that in kindergarten and second grade, you uh, teach the phases of the moon. And so I thought, I'm going to have a little girl living on the moon and she's going to be a moonling and people are going to see what she looks at like by the phases of the moon. And there you can teach a creative writing curriculum. Everything's all in this one little book. And it's morphed into um, several books. And now it's morphed into the moonling adventures where we have a little boy in the moon and I'm creating my own moonling language. And my youngest daughter that I mentioned earlier, that's the professor. She's the artist in all those books. So. Yeah. But you're working on that edition of the book with the, with the boy and everything like that. That's not out yet. Well, the Moonling Serengeti is out. Okay. And we're going to be having a new one coming out. She's doing the art now, the Moonling and birds uh, around the world. Okay. So that's, that's going to be kind of cool. So, but I have a, I have lots of books coming out. Um, a Time to Fly just came out. And by the way, one of the publishers is a Canadian, is a Canadian publisher. Oh. From Halifax, just so you know, the little girl in the moon's OC publishing. Oh, <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. So she's great. I'm looking, I'm looking at your, I'm looking, I have, I keep everything open. So I, I get the visuals when I'm talking, even though we're going to be using the only audio, but. Yeah. You have, so the little girl in the moon, the little girl in the moon, the big idea, the little girl in the moon, Moxie and Tycho Town, and then the Moonling Adventures, the Serengeti, and I, I can see the cover in the background where you're sitting. It's oh, really, yes. I love it. It is, stands out. Like just just from watching you, looking at you from the background, it's it, it blows all the other books off the shelf. The cover, so I'll make sure to tell her, or she'll hear it anyway. But yeah, and um. Yeah, that's that's what a great artist she is. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. So that that's really cool. And that's coming out. I mean, that's that's already out. You can order now. Yeah. Yeah, you can order that one now. And it's a, a fun book. I've been to the Serengeti. I did some um I helped build a uh, school library. Mm -hmm. And so I spent two weeks there and then we did a um we get to go and see all the animals and nature. In their habitats, and we used uh, Catherine used some of the pictures that I took, and so instead of just showing a lion and saying here's a lion and here's the moonling word for lion and some info about it, um, that one what I did was, um, or Catherine did, and her art was really make it, you know, so like the um, the giraffe is like really you know doing something; it's not just standing there. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the gazelle is jumping in the sky. And so it's very different. And hopefully it makes the kids go, ooh, I want to go there. And ooh, this is a very interesting animal, right? Well, if it's anything like the cover, I'm sure it will because it's, it's <laughs> stunning, right? Thank you. 
Okay. So that that's out. And if we go to your social medias and all your digital areas, you have a website. Where can everybody find you? Sure. It's a Diane, I'll say it and then spell it. DianeFloydBain.com. And of course, I make everything hard, or my mama did. Diane, D I A N N, my maiden name, Floyd, F L O Y D, B O E H M. It looks like Bohem, but we pronounce it Bane. So DianeFloydBain.com. Okay. And that's that's your main website. And there, people can find all your books. Everything's on Amazon and local bookstores, Walmart, Target. Um, you can order almost anywhere. That's so, awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's great. And you're on Twitter. You're on LinkedIn. You're on Instagram. You're on Pinterest. You also have a YouTube channel where you read your own stories. Right. And um, we're going to be having more authors come in and read their stories because it's really important to me. I mean, it's not all about me. It's all about helping parents, grandparents, your loved ones, your caretakers Mm -hmm. to have a safe place where quality stories are written and children can just relax and parents don't have to worry about what's being read. But also um, a place where indie authors have an opportunity to get their story out there. Because I don't want young authors to have to wait, you know, 17 years like I did. I want to help them. Because I believe if you've been blessed in some way or another, is that how pay forward, right? Then how can I do the same? And that's very, very important to me. That is very important. And that's fantastic that you're able to help and mentor people and bring them into the fold and, and, and provide that kind of that network that presumably don't have already. Or people never had before. So that's fantastic. So I'm just going through all your links here, double check. So you're on LinkedIn. We said Instagram. What I'm gonna do, and I and I, I tell everybody this is that once once everything rolls out, I'm gonna provide everyone with your links on my webpage. Oh, so, oh, you're the, so kind. they're they're gonna be able to click on your profile and see everything and all your links, and they'll be able to click right right towards anything that you provided me. So um they'll be able to see your books instantly. Thank you. And I really appreciate your time with you. And I would say in closing to the listeners, if any of them or any of you are thinking about writing, just start writing and and see what evolves. If you're thinking about, oh, you wish you could sing, there was a time that my teachers wouldn't let me sing or even be in the choir, but I didn't let that stop me. I just kept singing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's joy in your heart. And you can find that joy by just listening to yourself and, and going for it. So what are your words of wisdom? Or do you think I'm nuts? <laughs> no, that's I, I, it's funny because you did it before I asked. I always ask someone to, to give me some words of wisdom for everybody. <laughs> but it's right. If you don't try, if you don't put yourself out there, whatever the case may be, whether it's singing, writing, uh you know, you want to you want to be a professional athlete. You got to get up. It's five o'clock in the morning. You got to go work out. You got to go practice. You got to go do th- what? What's the what's how many hours they say you need at least 10,000 hours mastery of anything to be able to say I'm really good at this or I made some progress. Like if you haven't put in the time to invest in yourself, you can't expect immediate results. Like it doesn't work like that. But like yes. but you really if you don't try, you don't know. 
And even if someone tells you, don't be a singer, you're not a singer or you're not allowed in the choir or whatever the case may be, you should just go try it. And my my biggest motivator in life that I've always noticed, you know, I went into education when everybody told me not to, and I still mm-hmm. did it. I went, I worked for the organization for many years and decided packing my bag and I'm leaving because everybody told me, no, it's a terrible idea. And I went and I did it anyways. And maybe maybe I have a bit of a... Uh, anti-establishment attitude growing up a little bit when in my in my teens but every time someone told me no I, I gave it more thought I'm like if someone's telling me no and if many people are telling me no or they're telling me it's not a good idea I think I should go look into it a little bit more because you never know and I think that's brought me quite a long way into dabbling in things the best thing I tell people is that you can learn how to fail is probably the most valuable thing you can learn in life because it, it it could help you. It help you with every experience, any anything. Publishing a book. I mean, how many how many no's do you are you going to get from publishers? I, I have more no's than I have books published. <laughs> but that's that's a rite of that's, pa- okay. that's that's okay, and that's the rite of passage, and yeah. you know, and not everybody's right. destined to be a, a multi millionaire. But no. unless you don't put yourself out there, it's it's never going to happen. So that's correct, Diane. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I look forward to learning more about your stories in the future. And I'm sure we could definitely do a part two. That would be awesome. I know we have a lot to talk about. Italy, I think, is on the agenda. Italy's on the agenda. (laughs) I unfortunately have not gone to Italy because of the pandemic. It prevented us from going on our honeymoon. But my wife's been to Italy about, you know, four or five times for months and months on end. And, uh... Actually, her first language is Italian, so she... Uh, I remember reading that. Yeah, yeah, she's well-versed. But uh, yes, we'll have lots to talk about. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a blessed day. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Mr. Mike Podcast, Wrong Answers Only. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Wrong Answers MTL, and Mr. Mike MTL on Twitter. Our website is MrMikeMTL.com. We're on Buy Me A Coffee. Donations are always appreciated. They go back into the podcast. And don't forget, tell your friends and family, tell your colleagues, tell the cashiers, tell the bus drivers, tell the trainer at the gym about the podcast. Don't forget to check out some of our sponsors. And thank you everybody for listening and we'll see you next time.